0: you're listening to the king's church podcast visit us online at kingsworship.org.uk good morning it's my uh, privilege to bring the word of god to you this morning and i hope you find it exciting and stimulating and challenging first of all just to say thank you to those who joined us in the marketplace last sunday uh, for the singing you know, the prediction was that there would be heavy rain, um, just as when we were due to start at uh, 20 past 12. What happened? We sang, and when we stopped, the rain came. <laughs> and the marketplace cleared after that. The guy that followed us had an empty, <laughs> empty marketplace. But... Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but when we sing those carols, those Christmas songs, um, in some places, what we were singing, you would have been arrested for. And often we're aware that we have the privilege of meeting here and declaring who Jesus is. In some places, so we were singing a line from The Sky is Filled. We say, King of Kings forevermore. When we sang He joy to the World, the line says, He rules the world. And then it was on a starry night. I like that song. And the line says, A boy was born king of all the world. Now, when Jesus was arrested, that was one of the charges they brought against him, that he was setting up an alternative kingdom to the authority there. And the question was: Are you a king? And Jesus said, well, you said it. <laughs> but we've been declaring that in, in the marketplace. And when we sing it, perhaps we gloss over those words. When people hear it, they really don't get what we're saying. Let me start with a a story. I heard on the radio um, about Marcel Marceau, the French mime artist. Yes, that's right, white face and he didn't speak, he just acted with with gestures. Um, He was Frenchman and when the Germans came and occupied France, he was part of the resistance movement. And uh, along with other people within the resistance movement, they rescued six and a half thousand children. They hid them from uh, the, the Nazis. And he himself was involved in uh, taking groups of small children over the border into Switzerland. His father died in Auschwitz concentration camp. And why was he doing that? For no other reason than he was a Jew. And this morning, just focusing on what, what is in increasingly evident in this land. On the news this week, they were talking to a group of Jewish uh, students, and they, the report was last year there were 300 uh, reported incidents against Jewish people in this country, this year, there have been 2,000. And there is this rise of feelings against the Jewish people. In 1970, do anybody remember Thames Television? <laughs> Thames used to exist here. Um, they, they did a series uh, and produced a booklet, and I watched it and got the, the, the leaflet. And it's a history called The Longest Hatred. And it's the longest hatred. We know there are other places where ethnic cleansing goes on, where people are marginalised or uh, persecuted because of their uh, racial origin. But they call it the longest longest hatred because it goes right back to the biblical times. You remember we've done the story of... um, of Jacob Uh, sorry not Jacob Joseph and one of the things we were saying there was that God's intervention to save that nation when there was a famine and then they were slaves in Egypt and God preserved them and brought them out to their promised land but the hatred has been evident uh, when Moses was born you remember the the decree went out that the, the baby boy should be killed and he was rescued by being placed in a basket in the river when Jesus was born Herod ordered that decree that all baby boys should be uh, killed and an angel brought them from that dangerous earth and they went to Egypt and this longest hatred of God's people It's it's mentioned in one of the Psalms, Psalm 83. The psalmist says, see how our enemies are astir, and this is what they say. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. With one mind they plot together, they form an alliance against the people of God. And it isn't just political, it isn't just cultural. There is a spiritual battle going on to preserve God's people. In Jesus' life, there were quite a few times when people, well, <laughs> very, on, <laughs> very on, early on in his ministry, they were plotting how to kill him. At one place, they took up stones to to stone him to death, but he escaped through the crowd. Another time, uh, they took him to a cliff to throw him over the cliff, but it wasn't the right time. Because Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. (laughs) Nobody takes it from me. I lay it down. I give it. But against God's people, there has been this. Uh, persecution this animosity why because through this nation would come the ruler of the world and satan doesn't like that it doesn't like that uh, a, a an authority above him would actually be the one in control he wants to be in control and so there's been this conspiracy to destroy god's plan of salvation and on the cross they thought <laughs> they thought they'd done it but God turned that apparent uh, failure into the most amazing victory. And as we sang this morning, he rose from the dead. Some people imagine that it's an equal battle. God's plan and Satan's plan. And it's like the Greek myths, you know, the gods working it out and who's going to be the strongest and who comes out on top. Not at all. Psalm 96 says... Say among the nations, say among the nations, Maggie's already prayed for countries in conflict. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The word is established, firmly established, it cannot be moved. The earth is the Lord's. And God has a plan of salvation to to bring it back to himself that not only people but the whole of creation there would be this well we live in a universe but it's a very diverse world that we live in but there would be a universe where everything as we were singing there would be joy and laughter and people would be in fellowship and relationship there'd be no war there'd be no more tears of sadness perfect will come again and the word is firmly established that the lord reigns and is working his purpose out to that end. That word, which we have in the Scripture, came through the prophets. It came through the law. It obviously ultimately came through um, Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. But we ha- we have this uh, we-, we have this interesting little phrase in Daniel two. Um, There we are. In Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the, the king, and he has a dream. And he, he sees this statue made of different materials, gold going down to uh, clay. And, and he can't understand it, and he knows Daniel can interpret dreams, so he calls him to uh, come and interpret this dream. And, and, and Daniel um, says, well... Actually, it's a prediction of the kingdoms. It's your kingdom, that the, the head is your kingdom, and that's the kingdom of, of the, the Babylonians. But there are going to be a succession of kingdoms coming after that. There's got to be the Medes and the Persians. Then there's going to be a Greek empire. Then there's going to be a Roman empire. But then, let me just get verse... Yeah. Verse 39, it says, After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there'll be a fourth kingdom. In the time of those kings, verse 44, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision, because there was a rock cut out of a mountain, but not made by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to, and, and gold to pieces. And this rock, not formed by a human hand, will overpower, overcome, dominate all the other kingdoms of the world. That's why I've called this message, Jesus is the rock star. He is the rock of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so we've got this picture, a rock not formed by human hands. And there we've got the whole symbolism of the incarnation. That Jesus, obviously born of Mary, but his origins are from ancient. Well, there, there is no beginning and there is no end. And he comes and establishes a kingdom that overrules every other kingdom. There's also another picture. And uh, just as Nebuchadnezzar um, was not a man of the faith that we share, so there was a king, and um, he was a king of the Medes, and he, he was worried about the nation of Israel. And so he paid a false prophet uh, to to come and curse the nation of Israel. We read about that in in Numbers 24. And uh, Balak was the king. I'm gonna pay Balaam the prophet, go and curse the people of God. And Balak went, instead of cursing them, what did he do? (laughs) He blessed them oh, you're not meant to do that, I paid you to do this. So he went again and again for three times. And he said, oh, well, I'm going to speak, and just these words, I'm blessing them. And it says eventually to the king, even if you gave me the whole, all the gold or all the treasure in your temple, uh, I can only say what what, what I'm receiving. And the fourth attempt, uh, this is in Numbers 24, He uttered this oracle, the oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of one whose eye sees clearly, the oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty. And he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, A scepter will rise out of Israel. I'm paying you to curse these people. (laughs) And you're you're saying a ruler will come out of this? That a star will arise? The word is firmly established. And God not only told it to his prophets and to his priests and to his godly kings. He even told his word to a false prophet. He even gave a vision to to a, a, a pagan king of what the future kingdom would be. And that's what we celebrate at Advent and Christmas. The coming of the kingdom that will never end. We just sang it of his kingdom there will never be an end. The announcement was that a king is born in Bethlehem. It's a fulfilment of all the prophetic word. Not of human origin. Not of a destiny. So, you know, the, the people have made films about it. Jesus, you know, he, he, he had a... a a woman as a lover and there were children that he had absolute rubbish it's not a destiny it's not a dynasty that Jesus handled, handled on it will not be given to another the kingdom belongs to Jesus because he is alive and is king forever and ever and it's a message in these turbulent times that all emperors dictators all governments all Caesars need to hear that there is a king whose kingdom will rule over all the earth. It's the meaning of the phrase king of kings. They'll sing it. Uh, in loads of places around the country this year, uh, this Christmas time the Hallelujah Chorus and we love it, it stirs us, doesn't it? And he shall reign for and ever, King of Kings and Lord of Lords King, and most in the choir have got not a clue what they're singing but here as believers in Jesus we know Jesus is the King of Kings and he is the Lord over all Lords and It's what Jesus said to Pilate when he was on trial. Because Pilate, strutting with all the might of Rome behind him, he says, do you not know I have power to release you, I have power to crucify you. What does Jesus say? You'd have no authority over me unless it was given you from above. And it it is the truth that everyone who is in a position of authority and power in government is there because God is allowing it. And all will be called to account before God for how they handle that authority. And there will be judgment exercised on the earth. But you know what? If if that's true, if if the advent of the, you know, this rock star, this rock that has come, this star, and um Maddy has made uh stars for uh Lots of the king's kids are very decorative, out of sticks and and glittery things. But the star is very significant because they were anticipating a star rising. That's why the wise men, when they saw the star, they followed to Bethlehem. They knew the prophecy that a star will will arise, a ruler will come. But if he came, why is the world in such a mess that it is? If this kingdom invaded the world, it can be quite disappointing really, can't it? And many struggle with the question, why is suffering, why is there evil? Why is the world in the state that it is? The disciples, when they met Jesus, they thought that as well. Why, 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 why don't you sort out the Romans? Why, why, why don't you get Israel back into the place where it's meant to be? Are you got to restore Israel now? Retake, regain the territory. Deal with those. Eliminate them. Jesus said, but my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, my disciples would fight for me. We'd go and attack with sword or gun. Aggression but my kingdom's not of this world. How did Jesus be, become the one who, to whom the, the Father says, I've given you the, the name which is above every name. I've given you the highest place. How did, how did he get that? By, by force, by power, by aggression. No, his kingdom's not of this world. His power was in sacrifice. Sacrifice just laying down his life. But then we think, well, that's it. The kingdom's always just going to be about being forgiven and being loved by God. And then some people think, well, that's how it's going to be on earth and we'll, we'll get through. We'll know that God loves us and we know that God forgives us and then we'll go and live in heaven. If that was true, All the Old Testament prophets, as Tom Wright says, have got it wrong because they were talking about a king of the line of David actually ruling in Israel for them and then their horizons expanded and king over all the earth. So are we just going to get through this life and then go to heaven? his first coming was to deal with sin and that brings us into the right relationship his second coming is to bring in that kingdom which we began at the cross and was uh, verified by his resurrection and his ascension that this is who Jesus is and he will come again that the kingdoms of this world will become what will they become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And is his first coming? There were some people who were aware of it, but it was this baby in a manger. The prophecy is when he comes again, all flesh will see it together. And I don't understand how, because uh, what Paul says, if you read the Romans, he says that the unsearchable riches of the mercy of God, somehow God will bring his ancient people, Israel, and the, 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 the people of God in, in his kingdom, in his church, and bring them together, and in his new creation, which is described as a new Jerusalem, they... The, 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 the names of the tribes will be uh, part of that structure and the names of the apostles will be part of that structure and the two will become one. And Paul says, ah, the amazing mercy and riches of God. And instead of us all going to heaven to live in an ethereal, cloudy experience somewhere, The picture says the dwelling of God is with men. And on the earth in a new creation, God will establish what we were singing. You see, we we sing it's a lovely song, and on that day there will be laughter, on that day joy ever after, no more tears for the Lord will wipe them all away. God will establish that kingdom of peace, righteousness, peace, and joy. I'm glad we sang a, a Charles Wesley uh, hymn this morning. That was good, wasn't it? Um, I'm going to quote another one. I didn't know we were going to sing that. Um, this, this, is, this is my father's Salvation Army songbook. Look, it's just about falling apart, but I can find, I, I can find them because I wanted to quote uh, Charles Wesley. That in, in its uh, early days, uh, Methodism uh, had so many good things going for it. And Charles Wesley, uh, one, of, one of the founders of that, he, he wrote these words, and you'll know them, many of you know them. Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favoured sinners slain. Thousand, thousand saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Hallelujah. Do you know what the next line is? God appears on earth to reign. So uh, Verity's encouraged us this morning to talk about the things that we're waiting for. From the moment that Jesus left, the early church was looking for his return. And it was that cry, because they were living in such a a, a, a a harsh condition. So many people were against those early Christians, that their cry was, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. I think because how the world is and how it's always been, isn't that the cry of our heart too? In this Advent time, Come, Lord Jesus, bring in you. But we need to be a people prepared. We need to have responded to the reason why He came the first time. And the first time was to deal with us and to put us right when He comes again. He's going to deal with the whole world and put the whole world right. So we're going to share in communion this morning. And in a moment, I'm going to ask people from the tables just to come and, and, and take uh, one, one of these trays so that we can share. And I'd like you to um, take moments to think back, which is one of the reasons for sharing in communion, we think back of what Jesus has done for us, how he loved us and gave his life for us. I'd like you to think of present, because when we share the bread, it's the symbol of the living Lord amongst us. How Jesus is your saviour, your king, your Lord, now. And that, how we're sharing in that... Uh, that life of Jesus now. But one of the reasons we share in communion is also that we look forward to his coming again. And the covenant sealed by his blood promises that what he said will happen. When He met with the disciples and, and um, uh it said, I'm leaving you. But the angel came and said, You know, so men, what why are you looking up into heaven? You know, that same Jesus who ascended, he will come again. There's a whole understanding of where he will come to. The prophecy says his feet will stand on the uh, on the mount of olives uh, and and the the nations will come together to gather him uh, to gather around him, but. In this Advent period, while we're rightly celebrating the birth of Jesus, can we go beyond that and anticipate, look for his coming again?